Well, take your Bibles and turn with me tonight, and, and we're going to jump in this evening at 1 Peter chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 15. 1 Peter chapter number 1, and I will begin reading at verse number 15. This is the third week um, that we have been uh, studying through the concept of holiness and, and sanctification. We've just kind of been combining those and looking at different things that the scripture has been saying to us. Uh, we finished off last week talking about that, that, that work of holiness, that work of that sanctifying work that the Lord does and continues to do in our lives. It is, first of all, a heart work of God the Father, he has to get a hold of our heart and make the difference in that new heart of man that he brings through Christ Jesus and faith in him. Then it is a renewing work of Christ so that not only is it a heart work that, that the Father recreates in us that takes that stony heart and replaces it uh, with that heart that is now mendable and, and malleable and formable, but also it is a renewing work of Christ. It is Christ that renews renews us and 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 uh, uh, makes things new in our life and then it is a practical work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit then takes all the word and, and takes the work that Christ has accomplished in us and the work of the Father upon our lives and makes it practical that we would walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then finally, it, it is a guiding work of the word, the written word. Christ is the word of God, but this is the written word that is for our guidance and for our direction and for our understanding. And so we, we hit those four areas last week and talked about that. And you can catch up with those at, at some other time. Uh, but it's imperative that we understand what this work is entailing in us, what it is that God is doing in us, what it is that the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary brings to our lives. Because the same blood that saves you, the same work of Christ at Calvary and the resurrection uh, moment, that same work that he accomplishes for salvation, he also accomplished uh, that we would live holy for our sanctification. It's the same same work. And so we now rely upon the Holy Spirit to come and empower us and enable us and we stay in the word to find guidance. How many understand in our world today, people, this is where the biggest confrontation is found. Sadly, among the church, the most difficult confrontation that, that is at work among people who call themselves Christians today is the fact that they are not being led, guided by the word. They, they, are, they are wanting to be guided by a message or the gifts in operation or their own conscience. How many know your conscience is never a good way to be led? <laughs> Amen. Because because your flesh is still attached there, and, and you can you can if you're not careful, you will you will drift out of the spirit and out away from the Lord, and you'll begin to walk according to your own lusts and your own desires that dwells within that flesh. So you can't just go by what you feel, what you think. You must must somebody say must must go by the word of God. God will never lead you somewhere that the word has not declared unto you. Amen. I'm not talking about places and geography locations. I'm talking about that the Lord will never lead you to give up something, do something, live a certain way unless this word has laid it out. Amen. We, we need to understand that this word is the guiding power of our life. And we have to understand that word in order for it to guide our lives. We, we have to understand that, that the old covenant was a picture of what God would do in Christ Jesus. Right? It showed men how wicked and fallen they really were. 
Because even though they were told miraculously the entire law of God, they couldn't keep it. And so much so that there daily had to be sacrifices and yearly there had to be atonement made for sin because they were unable. It was that, that law, the scripture tells us, is a, it was a taskmaster that was holding them over until Christ could come and fulfill so that we can now live in freedom as he lives through us. And it's not by our works, lest any man would boast. It's only by Jesus Christ. But... Having said that, we must understand that Christ brings alive works in us and out of us. Amen. If you have no works of salvation in your walk, then you need to go back and readdress the salvation issue. If there has been no change in your life from the time you were saved... Till the time from before you were saved, something, something's wrong there. You missed something. You need to go back and readdress that. Or if there has been not, no change in the time you got saved and where you are now, then you missed something. You need to go back and readdress and maybe you need to yield completely to Christ. I, I, I feel like if we're not careful, we, we tell people of salvation and people come to a moment where they put faith in Christ. But, but if, if you don't walk out and, and you don't allow that relationship with Christ to continue to grow and him to lead you and to empower you and to strengthen you and the spirit to come upon you, you your growth is, is going to be great greatly hindered and your flesh is going to trick you and deceive you. The word keeps us in line in sound doctrine. Amen. I don't keep you in sound doctrine. The word does. I want to, I want to make that very, very clear. God's called me to be your pastor and he's called me to preach the word, and, and I have to stand before him with the word that I shared. Did I preach the word and teach the word or not? And I'll have to answer to him, and I hope that I'm, I'm teaching the word. But let me tell you something. I don't give you your sound doctrine. Are y'all still out there? The church of God that we're a part of, that I believe they hold to sound doctrine, but they are not the giver of sound doctrine. I, I, I'm, I hopefully am a voice in your life that's going to give you sound doctrine from the Word of God. But, but the way you make sure that you are walking in sound doctrine is you get into the Word of God and you live this Word. You walk this Word. You, you apply this Word. In the face of a culture that's gone mad, we must apply the Word of God. In, in the case of a world that, that wants to say, well, the word, that's just too restrictive or that's just too harsh or that's just too, they, they even want to say it's hate speech now. They want to say it's, it, it's just, it, it's not going to help. But I want to tell you, this is our source. This is our, our sword. This is our weapon. This is what keeps us in line. The word, every word, the Bible says every word. Somebody say every word. The Bible says every word that we have that has been revealed to us through this and given to us in this Bible is inspired of God. And it's good for doctrine and reproof and rebuke. A amen. Correction and, and ex exhortation. And we, we need to walk in it. And in order to walk in it, we have to know it. Amen. So you need to study your word. Amen. Not just the words of others. So, 1 Peter, we're talking about holiness. We're talking about a holy life, a sanctified, set-apart life. What that, what that really means, and we've tried to really be very just scriptural. Because I, like I've told you already, I could stand up here and preach my opinions for weeks. And I feel like I'd probably be right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd. You know, if a, I, you could debate that with me, but I would feel I would be right. But my opinions are just what they are. They, they, are, they are. Now, I believe they're based and founded in Scripture that God has given to me. But, but what I need to do is I need to stand up here and declare God's Word to you. Amen. Because how many of you know 
there are things that ways of living that appeal more to you than others. Or there are ways of living that are more of a struggle for you than others. And I don't know if you've realized this yet or not, but human nature is always that it's pretty easy to point out all the things that are wrong in others' lives. It's a little more difficult to see all those things in our lives. And that's how our opinions are oftentimes. We, we can get up on our pet peeves and our hobby horses and boy, we can just bring the thunder and just, I mean, we got word to back it up and we, you know, we, we, we can just be strong. But then the areas that, that are a little more touchy to us, we, we're not, you know, we're not quite as good about bringing the thunder to those. So we need the word. We need to stay within the framework of the word. So what I've been doing to you is just giving you tons of scriptures. And tried to in, in, put within that the rhema word that God would bring through me. The logos is what guides us. That rhema word is what begins some explanation and begins to uh, allow the Holy Spirit then to breathe through that into us. And so uh, we need both. I'm not saying we don't, but we need the word of God. So First Peter chapter 1, verse number 15 Peter's writing here, and he says, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in what? In what? In all your conduct. I want you to, see, we, we could stop and say, say, you know, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy. But, but let's, let's carry on this in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That's what it was written in the Old Covenant. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Amen. And verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory, so, uh, gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So be holy. As he is holy. So that means the Lord is telling us there is, there is a walk that we must fulfill. There, there is conduct that is going to be expected of a believer. Amen. So we need to figure out what that's going to look like, what that's going to sound like, what that's going to, to, to feel like, what, what areas of our life need to be subjected to the word to understand this. Okay, so this is where we're going to uh, trudge a little bit tonight and, and just see what the Lord has to say to us. And then wherever we finish up tonight, we'll pick back up next week if, if so needed. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 10. It, he's talking about a father. In verse 7, he says, if you endure, endure chastening, um, if you endure that instruction of God, he instructs us with the word. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Okay, verse 8, then Hebrews chapter 12 says, But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness 
He chastens us. Now, when we read that, we get the understanding because we are human. And, and if you didn't have this experience, you probably need it. And it probably shows. But if, if you have parents that raised you and, and taught you, you were going to be chastened at times. You, you were going to be, you were going to be um, instructed. Amen? And sometimes the rod of correction <laughs> is used, right? I, I, heard, I heard it said by several guys in the past, when the, when the rod of construction meets the seat, of righteousness. That's where you. Uh, that's where you really uh, find out. But I, the the we are instructed, and and so therefore, when we have done wrong, uh, we are told what is wrong, and then and then we face the consequences of that action. Okay, whatever whatever way that is, well, the Lord chastens us. That doesn't mean that He brings bad things on us to try to show us something. That's not, that's not what that means at all. That's, that's what people have gotten out of that, that boy, if I mess up God's like some God in the heavens that's just waiting with his lightning bolts to shoot down and hit me if I misbehave, and we've called that chastening, but that's not, it's not he's instru- he instructs us. He corrects us. How does he do that? By the word. Have you ever, let me tell you, for a believer, how many of you have had more than one child? How many of you, if you've had more than one child, one of those children are different than the other one, right? Have you ever had a child that, that all you had to do to correct them was just look at them or give them a stern word? I mean, and they just melt. They just, they just uh, that's it. That's going to be the end of it. You don't have to, how many have ever had children that didn't melt so easily like that, right? And, uh, and you know, that, that uh, I believe it was James Dobson that labeled them the strong-willed child, I believe that was. And uh, I, I seem, Veronica and I seem to have one of those, and really we had two of those, but, but one of ours melted a little more with the looks and words. But here's what I want to say about that. And this is, this I think is important for you to understand. If you're a child of God and you realize what Christ has accomplished for you and in you, and you recognize the great sin that you have been delivered from and what it took for you to be delivered, and you've been given a new heart and you've been made a new creature, just like the word says, the word says, right? Second Corinthians 5. 17 tells us that if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things have passed away. All things. If you understand that and you recognize that, then when you fail God, it should be a pretty easy thing for the Holy Spirit to bring this word to you and you to feel that in your heart. Right? Right? If not, then you got some strong flesh will in there that you need to address. If, if, if you feel like God, you know, I, I know I'll, I'll joke about that and say, you know, sometimes I'm just hard-headed enough that it feels like God has to just hit me over the head sometimes with what's obvious. Okay, but, but if your whole life consists of just barreling through and doing stupid thing after stupid thing, and then negative results occur by that, and you say, well, God is having to really whip that out of me. You, you've missed this whole concept of being chastened by the Lord. Amen. Because the way you are chastened is by the Holy Spirit bringing an understanding of the Word and what you have just done to the grace of God. And that should melt our hearts. It should cause us and lead us to repentance. To understand we were wrong. And instead, what happens though is, if we ignore that, and this is why I believe when when the message of repentance is taken out of the church, I'm talking to not not just the lost, but the message of repentance to believers 
that need to be corrected by the Word of God. When that message is taken out of the church, do you know what happens? Hard-hearted people are raised up from that. And their heart is hardened, and therefore it gets harder to get through to them. And that means the consequence is not what God is doing, but they are so hard-hearted that they are just barreling through bringing, bringing the worst consequences possible into their life, opening up their life to terrible things when all along God, through the Spirit, by the Word, is saying, listen to me. Don't do that. Focus on me. Look to me. A- amen. Are y'all, are y'all hearing that? See, we don't we we want to we want to push the the idea of repentance for believers out of the church. But all that does is lead us deeper into failure. Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. So that that chastening, that instruction, that correction comes from the love of the Father and the Word of God. And then he has to readjust our course with repentance. Does the Spirit smites our heart unto repentance? And he readjusts our course to get us back on path with him and what his word teaches us. So it's not something to be fearful of. It's something to understand when the Holy Spirit chastens us through the word and brings to our mind air, then we should be quick to acknowledge, quick to turn, quick to to repent, and we should come back and say, Lord, readjust my life, my understanding to your word. How many of you can think of times in your life that if you would have reacted that way quickly, you would have saved yourself a lot of heartache by continuing to just trudge forward in your own path? Here's what happens when that's all we do. You ready for this? Some of you will recognize this. When we just, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we don't respond quickly and we just keep trudging through, let me tell you what happens. We spend much of our time as believers asking God to forgive us out of shame rather than the understanding that God wants to readjust our course. We feel shamed. We feel, we, we, we know what we're doing is wrong, but we've just kept pressing forward. And rather than allowing the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the love of the Father, the blood of Christ to, to bring us back and correct our course and bring us back into the path that God has for us, all we do is we, we feel guilt and so we, we make a statement of repentance and we pray away guilt without a heart change that's going to listen to the word and the spirit that's going to lead us into a deeper walk with the Lord. Amen. That's, we, we need to understand that and we need to hear that. That's just simply the truth. Many, many believers, that's how they spend their life. Amen. I spent much of my early understanding of salvation in that. Right? I felt conviction because I knew things in my life weren't right. But rather than listening to God and quickly responding and turning and getting into the word and, and allowing the spirit to renew me and, and lead me and guide me, I would feel the guilt. I would feel the conviction. I would say, Lord, forgive me. I won't ever do that again. But then I would, I would not apply to my conduct the very things God was giving me to chasten me, and therefore I'd go right back into the same stuff and have to come right back the same route again. Okay. Hebrews 12. I'm sorry. Hebrews 14. 12, I'm sorry. Hebrews 12, verse 14. I'll get there in a minute in my mind. Hebrews 12, verse 14. says, Pursue peace... With all people, okay? I believe we've already looked at this scripture once, but pursue peace with all people and what? And holiness. So pursue holiness that God has brought to us. Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
pursue holiness. Pursue peace. But pursue this holy, go after the very things that God has accomplished for us. Because he chastens us that we may be partakers of his holiness. Amen. That, I just read that to you in Hebrews 12 and 10. If you just keep reading there, it says, strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet. So what is lame may not be dislocated, rather be healed. Pursue peace and holiness. Without which you won't see the Lord. You won't see the fullness of him. You won't see the fullness of what he has accomplished unto you. And he says, and then he says in verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. He, he just, he's laying this out. So go on this journey, pursue, let this be the desire of your heart to draw nearer and nearer to God and what he's accomplished in your life. Well, let's, let's look at another scripture. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 17. I encourage you to write these down and then, and then go read them. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying to his prayer as he's praying, and then he's going to pray for his disciples, and then after he prays for himself, prays for his disciples, then he's going to pray for all believers, which uh, is as many that are afar off. But in, in John 17 and verse 15, Jesus says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus makes that his prayer for us. Our prayer is not that, his prayer is not that we would just be yanked out of every situation, but that he would preserve us and he would lead us and set us apart and sanctify us and give us the ability to walk this out by his word. His word is truth. Somebody say his word is truth. His word, not, not our words, not the words of our culture, not the words of the, uh, of the woke police, not, not the words of anybody else. His word is truth. Charles Kahn said it this way. I was listening to some things, and, and then I read this in, in one of his books, a statement uh, that the church, one of the tentacles of the uh, pinnacle of the church of God believe in in this understanding says he said this separates from all that is profane this is what sanctifying and being holy what God's doing he separates from all that is profane unclean ungodly and then unto righteousness so he separates us from and he separates us unto righteousness Unto God, unto that which is perfect in its love. So see, holiness and sanctification is not just the negatives. It's not just what we've been separated from. It's what we are separated unto. Right? His righteousness. Yeah, that righteousness simply means right standing with God. His righteousness. He makes us right in his eyes. And so he, we need to understand he separated us for this purpose. Unto God. So, what is that going to look like? Okay, now I'm going to, I'm just going to um, give you, and I don't know how far we'll make it here. We're not going to make it very far. In fact, we'll probably just hit this first thought and then, and we may not even make it all the way through this first thought. But in 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, let me pick this up. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, it says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Christ became those for us and now in us. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to talk to you about first, the first area I want to dive off into out of this understanding is I want to look at the holiness of our stance, of our posture, of our position. We're going to look at 
at this, and then some other time we're going to look at holiness of life and living, and then we're going to look at holiness of, of thought and outlook. But I just want to start right here, and I want to start with the holiness of stance, posture, and position. How many understand we should have a posture of righteousness in God through Christ Jesus? We should take a posture of a holy life. One that's been redeemed. One that's been set apart. We should have a stance that understands we've been set apart for a purpose. That we've been separated from some things. You, you need to make that your stance. You need to understand that if you're going to come to Christ and he's your savior and he's your redeemer, then that means you are placed now into the kingdom of God. And that means you, you now have a stance. You stand for the word and not for the world. And you need to settle that. You need to understand what things you should stand for and what things you should stand against. Do you understand there are things as believers, there are things in this world that we must stand against because God stands against them. Because the word stands against them. And so we need to understand we need to have a, a holiness of stance and of posture and of position. Because we, we need to be people that, that can apply truth. A people where truth can be applied. The truth that you know is the truth that's going to set you free. And so you have to apply that. Jesus said, John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You go read, I won't take you there tonight, but John 8, and we may come back to it at some point, but John 8, 31 to 36, he talks about the truth. That's where freedom is. That's where victory is. Amen. In that same prayer that I just read to you earlier, John 17 and verse 17, he says, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. So we need to understand, we must stand in a posture of truth with the word of God. Amen. We must stand in boldness to the word of God. Amen. Do you know God expects you to stand in boldness in the Word of God? When the Word of God is clear, you stand in boldness. You don't waver. His Word doesn't change. We're dealing right now with a lot of things that people say, well, things have changed. God's Word doesn't change. So our posture must be that of the Word of God that does not change. Culture changes, application can change, but the word is the word. And we stand there. That's our posture. That's the posture of holiness. It's the word. That's our position that we have been placed in. I just watched, I'm sure you've all seen it on the news, the, the media um, has done their best and you'll recognize it if you've watched at all to fashion the, the bill that Governor DeSantis signed in Florida. And the media has done everything in their power. They named the bill, Don't Say Gay Bill. Do you know that's nowhere in that bill? I went and read the bill. Don't, don't take people's opinion for it. Anything. You go read it. You can research things for yourself. Don't, don't take the cheap and easy way out and just, just see what somebody else said that you like and agree with them. Because they may be wrong. If we've learned anything, we've learned, don't, don't get your theology off of Facebook. Amen. And don't take your stance because of social media. Because we've learned there isn't much truth to any of that mess. But I went and read it. It's not in there anywhere. It is a parental right bill. And when you read it, it is very strong that, that the desire was made ultra clear within that bill. That from kindergarten through third grade, that, that they were not to be taught things the parents were not informed about. When it comes to sexual conduct, sexual identity. And then it goes on and says, and then beyond that, nothing that would not be appropriate 
age-wise, parents must have consent. Do you know, that's always been that way, people. Amen? I went through sex education in school, or I remember when they, I don't know if I went through, no, mom and dad, man, but they, I, there had to be consent of the parents. Come on, are y'all, are y'all hearing me? And so, the, but the media, because of the agenda that's out, the, the LGBTQ uh, agenda that's out, the transgenderism, that, that agenda that's out, because th- for some reason that was offensive to them. They have no business. That, my kindergarten to third grade kid doesn't need to know any of that stuff. I want to tell you, church, we better stand up. I thank God I live in Oklahoma. I, I do. I'm th- I thank God daily that I live here. Now, it may not last, but I thank God that so far we've kept some sanity. Because there are places in this, in this country that have lost all sanity. Amen. And, and the, my, my little kids like that, they need to know how to read and write. <laughs> do some arithmetic. There's a, they don't need to know that our schools are not social uh, environments where they're, they're going to try to see what they can pour into the, to the culture through that. That's not what they're there for. And parents are standing up around, and we need to make sure our voice is, is heard. And we should not back away from these things. Because the Bible is clear. This agenda... And I, I know anytime you talk about this, people get offended and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. The days of not being offended are just past. People going to find something to be offended of. Amen. But this stuff of, of stealing the identity from our children and trying to tell them. We got, we got people. I, I said I wasn't going to preach my opinion, but I, we, we got people that are wanting to tell our kids that they can decide whether they're a male or a female. or this, And those very same people cannot even tell you how many genders they believe there are. But, but they, but they want to tell our kids what they are. Then, no, that's, that's the parents. This, that's, that's your job, the family's job. That's, that's, and, and it's obvious if you just... Pay, anyway, it... it there, there's some things that we shouldn't even be debating over because they're so stupid. But I don't, I don't know how else to just say that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that about people. People are, people are struggling, and people have been indoctrinated into things, and they don't, they are confused, and they are, they, they, they have bought into these lies. And we need to be compassionate. And I try to be very careful how I choose my words. Just like I said that a minute ago, sometimes my flesh will come out, and God will have to chasing me a little bit about that but but the people are not it's not the people that are trapped in this it's the lies that's behind it that is absurd the people need jesus and they need to know they can be loved and the lord loves them and the lord will help them and the lord will bring truth to them but if the church will not rise up and let our voice be heard in love they will never know that because your world our world is telling them exactly the opposite and it's time we have to be bold. But I was watching Disney came out, made a big, you know, scene about it, standing against the bill. And, and I didn't, I heard a preacher talking about it. So I went and watched a video myself of a lady named Carrie Burke, president of Disney's general entertainment content. And, and she tells about her family that's caught up in, in all of this. And, and she elaborated as I watched her, she intends to drastically ramp up Queer visibility within the Magic Kingdom. Increasing characters in Disney productions that are LGBTQIA or other underrepresented minorities by a whopping 50% by the end of this year. That's not my words. That's her words. That's what they, by fit from where they are now with these characters, they want to ramp that up by 50% by the end of this year. You tell me the world doesn't have an agenda? Church, we need to wake ourselves up. We need to stand in boldness on truth. A- amen? You, you know me. I'm not, I'm not political behind this pulpit, 
But I want to tell you, we are in a culture right now that is that is quickly and rapidly waging a war on godliness. And our current administration is pr- promoting it. Now, what do we need to do about that? We need to pray. But we also need to speak truth. And we need to do it in love. We need to get out of the, of the, all, all the enemy wants to do is draw you into an argument. Just speak truth. Scripture's clear. God made a male and female. It, uh, no, nothing else. Doesn't say anything else. Male or female. He, he, Scripture tells us that a man will leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Right? And we, we need to understand that. The Bible's very clear. It's not that the, you know, the enemy has twisted it and said, well, it's just in the Old Testament. But the New Testament is clear on sexual inappropriateness. Sexual deviancy from the way God intended it. God intended sex to be between one man and one woman in the bonds of marriage. Anything beyond that is sin. Heterosexual, homosexual, whatever you want to call it, anything beyond that is sin. Biblically, not Old Covenant, New Testament, sexual immorality. Jesus taught about it. People tell you he didn't, but he did. Paul teaches about it. The Word teaches about it. Sexual immorality, that's what it is. Any deviation from God's ordained plan. And if we're going to be people of sanctification, people of holiness, we got to be bold in the truth, in the Word. And, and let me tell you, are there some tough issues that are out there? Absolutely there are. I, I pastored a long time. I've heard a lot of hard stories, a lot of difficulties. I've, I've had people come and talk to me about situations in their life that were horrible. And I want to tell you, I understand some of, the, some of the mindsets that are there. When you hear what people have been through, you can realize how they can, how they can begin to believe some of those things and find some acceptance in other areas. But, but we have to stand on the Word, and we have to do it in love but we have to stand boldly on truth. It's got to be our stance. It's got to be a stance for truth. We just passed, uh, just went through uh, here in Oklahoma, and it will be signed, it'll be fought against the abortion bill. Texas took a very strong stand against abortion, and now the, they've been flooding through. Again, I did my own research. And I read after a woman who is a part of a group here in uh, Trust Women here in Oklahoma City that said since the Texas uh, law went into effect, they went from seeing about 100 patients, uh, 100 to 150 patients for, uh, to have abortions to almost 300 in a month coming across the border for that. Our, our governor says he's going to sign this bill. It's been pressed through. Uh, it'll be fought in courts and all of those things. But, but to stop uh, abortion, which is the taking of innocent life, and, and the woman that I read after said her clinic receives over 100 calls an hour just from women trying to schedule appointments. Said they could truly be providing abortions 24 hours a day. Here, 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 hear me, people. I'm not, I'm not, I, I, again, you get into that and people start saying, oh, well, this and oh, well, that and oh, well, this. Well, here's what I know. God is the giver of life. And God, and we have biblical evidence that God knows us before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. Uh, we, it's just there. In Maryland and in California, they have just now, in the process, or already have passing bills to where a child can be aborted. In Maryland, it's up to a couple of weeks after being born. And in, in California, it's a few days after birth. 
Come on, guys. I'm just trying to tell you, we better wake up. And we better stand on truth. Somebody, I, I know. I, but the, the word is true. If we'll just stay with the word. We're not fighting people. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We love people. I want any person to be able to come into this house and find the love of Jesus. But when they come in, they will hear the word of God. It hits me. It hits you. It hits all of us. Right? And then what we do with it is going to determine what, what God is able to do in our lives. Well, we receive God's word, so we've got to stand. We've got to be bold. The Bible says, "Stand, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So we must be bold. We, we, and in order to take this position, you've got to die to yourself. And I'll just, I'll just stop here. We'll pick it back up. But you've got to learn to die to yourself. You can go read the scriptures. Ephesians 4 talks about, Ephesians 4, you can go read it. You can read down verses 17 through 24, I believe, would be a good, good jumping in place. Talks about putting off the former conversation, the old man, and put on the new man. Romans 6, verses 1 through 14, you can go read there, and it talks about this new life that's in Christ. Romans 8, 13, you've got to mortify the deeds of your flesh. You've got to put that down. If you're going to stand in truth, you have to put down your passions, your desires, and you have to stand with God. And let me tell you, when you stand in truth, you're probably not always going to be the most popular one. But you will see the blessing of God like you've never known before. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a hard world. I'll close with this. We'll, we'll pick up more, and we're going we're gonna to really get more into that. And I, I, in one sense, I apologize for kind of getting into that. But in another sense, I'm not going to apologize for it. We need to, we need to understand what we're up against. But what I... But we are in a hard place. And sadly, the church is going silent. Pulpits are growing silent. Right? And let me tell you, when you're in a really rough place, you can't preach feel-good messages all the time. Because people come in and you make them feel good while they're living in their sin. Amen? Amen? You can preach on purpose, and you can preach on God's plan, and, and, and all of those things, and, and boy, that's great, but if you're preaching that to people that don't know Jesus as their Savior, they're not in God's purpose and plan. And they can go out feeling good, but there's no life change. I believe this is why the enemy has tried to take these messages out of the church. Because then if we're not challenged, he can just lull us to sleep. To such a place that pretty soon believers will start agreeing with the failing culture of this world. And if you don't believe that, then you, you kind of buried your head under the sand. Amen. Let's take a posture of the word. A posture, stance, of truth. I've really felt that this is a pivotal message. That's why I've been so uh, determined to just dig into this message with you on these Wednesday nights because I, I, I just, I feel like we're just drifting quicker and quicker and farther and farther away from the truth of God's word. And I believe God, God is calling us to hear his voice. And if you're here and something, I doubt if you are, but if you are and something is offensive to you in this, hey, I'd be happy to talk with you. Because my goal is not to offend. My goal is to stand for truth. And if you're online... And you've gotten offended at something that's been said. I would be happy to talk to you about it. Because the word is true. 
Stand to your feet with me. Who are we children of? What is our belief system? Is this word the guide of our lives? If so, then stand. Learn to stand in love. I have no stones to cast at others because the Lord deals with me daily in my own life on my things, but word's the word. And let me tell you, the Lord deals with me in his word. Amen? When I act kind of silly sometimes because I let my anger get the best of me or something like that, the Lord takes me to this word. And so he needs to do that for you and for others. As for us in this house, we're going to do everything we can to stand in truth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you tonight. Help us to hear this, Lord, in our own. I, easy to see the drasticness of the culture that is contrary to your word. Sometimes it's the hidden sins of the heart that are hardest for us to see. So let judgment begin at the house of the Lord. Examine our hearts. If there's anything unlike you, show us that and remove it, Lord. Because Lord, our, our world needs a church whose heart is right that loves the lost and is ready to reach out with the truth of your word. They don't need a militant, angry church ready to fight flesh and blood. They need a church that represents you, that represents Jesus Christ to this world and shares truth but also shows the way to the Father. Father, it's not what we're against. It's that you are for us, and we stand for you, and life comes to those that will follow you. Give their life through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I ask that you help us, you shake us, you awaken us, and make us an effective body in this moment. We have been called to this moment. And it's an uncomfortable moment for many. We're called to it. We're privileged to be the church that's standing in this day. So help us to stand in truth. And help us to represent you well by starting with us. Father, we love you. We thank you. Teach us your word. Hide it in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.